Well, the Bible says in verse 1, then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, he returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended the temptations, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, then command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him saying, it's written, man shall not live bread alone, but by every word of God. Beloved, the first thing I notice in this text is that Jesus had just ended the worship experience of his life. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Jordan River, and right at the highest point of his life, he heads into the trial of his life. Let me say some more. It's a great reminder that every time you and I have a divine encounter with God, we can expect a visit from the evil one to try to get us to disregard what we just expect, experience. For my baptism candidates today, today is a glorious day for you. Let's praise God for the baptism candidates. You're going to experience God today like never before. But I need to warn you, out of the water, there's an enemy waiting. Do I got a witness right there? The text says, watch this now, that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. It was the Spirit of God that led him into the desert place. It was the Spirit of God that ordered his steps. It was the Spirit of God that took Jesus to the place position. I'm going somewhere, family. It was the Spirit of God that was with him, directing him, and led him into this confrontation. I believe that the Spirit knew what Jesus was about to face. The Spirit knew what was up ahead of God's chosen Messiah. Yet, he did not prevent Jesus from enduring the war. But rather, he would enter into it with him to strengthen him through it. Can I give you some application? And so it is in the life of the believer. God knows we will face temptations, beloved. God knows where they are, and he knows when they will attack and or reveal themselves. Yet, he chooses not to remove them, but rather for us to go through them. Uh, I wish I had a witness through there. God desires to manifest himself to his children in the moments of temptation. We see him do this in the life of Jesus. Therefore, we know he will do it in our lives too. Second thing I notice in this passage, beloved, is that Satan tries to get Jesus to use his power to satisfy his own physical needs. Here it is. This subtle temptation was introduced because the master had a legitimate need. Did you catch it? 
He was hungry. After four days and nights of fasting and prayer. It was legit. What Satan did is he appealed to the desires of his flesh at a time when he needs. Okay, let me say it He ain't going to ever try to tempt you with something you don't need. Ain't going to work. If you fool, you, you don't need another three-piece meal. Come on, talk to me. You're good. But he waits until he knows your physical desire and deals to what your eyes like. If you don't like him tall, dark, and handsome, he ain't going to bring you tall, dark, and handsome. But if you like him short, round, and light, come on, talk to me. He's going to deliver it. Y'all playing religious with me today. But you know, every time you've been really tempted, it's been that thing you really and you really need. Come on, tell your neighbor, he's talking to you then. He's talking to you. Can I shine the light on this text? When we read the devil's words here, we learn several things. One, we learn that Satan wanted Jesus to comfort his flesh. But he wanted him to comfort his flesh, watch this, at his command. And with the power that God had already gave him. Okay, he wanted Jesus to use what God had gave him to satisfy his own flesh. Is that bad? No, it's not bad. God gave him the ability to do miracles. He could have did that to satisfy what's bad and wanted him to do it at his command. Making now Satan God. Are you listening? If Jesus takes his cues from the devil, he would have failed to obey the command of his father. Are you with me here? Here it is. Satan wants you and I, beloved to comfort our flesh too at his command. Satan wants us to feed our no appetite and use the power that God has given us, made in his image, right, and invested in us to use that Satan's command. Satan wants us to satisfy our lustful desires at the drop of his prompting. Just like he wanted Jesus to refuse to wait on the Father for his provisions. He wants you and I to refuse to wait on the Father. Because you got needs, beloved. And God knows when your needs need to be taken care of. Be careful of the voices trying to get you to satisfy your physical needs. What he does right here is Satan dangles the physical pleasures before the master's eyes. In his weakest moments, tempting him to disobey the Father to satisfy the demand that's the appetite. Why did he do this? He's a subtle deceiver. Always, always enticing you with the bait of disobedience and impatience. Did y'all catch that? With the bait of disobedience and impatience. He loves North Americans because we can't wait on nothing. 
duped us as a culture. We think we got to have it now. It's got to be fast. We forget the stove. I need a microwave because I don't want to wait. Are you listening? One of the largest freshwater turtles in America is called the alligator snapping turtle. And these massive turtles have been known, Pastor Zuniga, sometimes about 250 pounds. That's my weight. Give or take a few numbers. <laughs> and these carnivorous creatures have been known to eat almost anything they could find in the water. Now, the alligator snapper turtle relies on a unique, deceptive method of trapping. What it does is it descends bottom of a lake or a pond or a river, and it opens its mouth. And it's, they have a real long tongue, about a foot long, and on the end of its tongue is a long-like appendage, and it looks red. It dangles like a little worm. And what it does is lay still at the bottom of the ocean or lake or river, wherever it is, opens its mouth and releases its tongue. And its tongue wiggles like a worm. Are you in here? And with no movement, it just waits until the first sucker fish comes along and grabs the worm. Y'all know his history then, right? And when the fish grabs his tongue, he snaps it and catches it as his prey. Well, beloved, similar lead to the snapping turtle. Temptation from the evil one always comes in the disguise of something desirable. But what it carries with it is destruction in the end. Our oh, beloved, I believe if we can see the result of what will happen after we take the bait, we wouldn't be so quick to fall prey to the enemy's deception. Can I get a witness? Third in this text, that Jesus teaches me how, yeah, to defeat the temptation that comes from the evil one. Jesus in this text gets victory, watch this, by using the word of God. Listen to the text, verse 4. The Bible says, but Jesus answered him, saying, it's written, or the Bible Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. I like this right here, beloved, because by quoting the scripture, he was able to defeat the tempter and to gain power over the situation he was facing. Here it is. He proved to me and you that there is power earth. There's power in the spoken word. I'm not talking about the poetic spoken word. I'm talking about the holy written word being spoken out of your mouth. He didn't just think about the word or didn't just think good thoughts. He spoke the word. He quoted the word because he knew the word. Can I say some more? He could lean on the word because he trusted the word but could defeat the lies and the temptation of the evil one. 
Uh, can I say it another way? Only the Word could remind Jesus that he was not supposed to use his supernatural DNA to make stones in the bread. It was the scriptures that reminded him. Only word could remind him that life was more than fulfilling your fleshly desires as a man. Word could remind him of his purpose and his calling in the face of temptation. Okay, here's the application. Here's the application. My beloved, as men and women of God, you and I need to hold the Scripture in our hearts when these temptations come toward us. You and I need to quote the Scripture with our mouths. You can't just be thinking about it in your head, in good thoughts. Good thoughts and just having it in your head ain't going to defeat the temptation that's coming at you. You got to say the word with your mouth. Can I say some more? The Bible gives you this instruction. The Bible gives us this authority. The Bible gives us this assurance. And the Bible gives us this confidence. I pray today that we learn how using the sword, the sword of the Spirit in the face of temptation. We've looked at how to deny your flesh with the word. Let's look now at how to deny what our eyes desire. I'm talking to everybody who can see. Notice verse 5. If you're in here and see, I'm with you, Reverend. The Bible says that then, somebody say then. In other words, that first temptation wasn't enough. He was coming back. Ain't that what he do? Thank you for being honest, Mommy. Then the devil, taking him up to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment time. And the devil said to him, okay, the devil talks to you. He said to him, Jesus, you see this? All of this, man, all authority I'll give to you and their glory. But this has been given to me. And I'll give it to whoever I wish. Therefore, if you will just before me, all of this will be yours. And Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan. For it's written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Beloved, let me unpack this. When we come to this portion of text, we get a good look at Satan's second attempt to deceive and tempt Jesus. And in this effort, Satan wanted to get Jesus to worship him. Now watch this. He didn't want him to stop worshiping the Father. Because he had just come off of his fast. What he wanted was Jesus to include a little devil worship in his spiritual practices. You ain't got to stop worshiping Yahweh. Just give me a little. Are you in here? Satan here, he says, 
or tries rather, to appeal to the eyes. Lean in real good right here, believers, because this is where he gets us. He appears to, appeals rather, to the eyes for the earthly comforts, the riches in things. Right after Jesus had been baptized, has spent 40 days fasting in isolation and being intimate with the Father. He wasn't asking for Jesus to take back what he just experienced. He was asking him to include him in on a little worship time. He offered him something in exchange for worship. <laughs> Let me say it another way. Here it is. Jesus, if you just hit the knee one time real quick, I'll give you everything your eyes can see. See, here it is. Satan knew after Jesus, Jesus finished praying to the Father, he didn't have no money for ministry to live on. You worshiping and you broke. Come on, just tweak your worship a little bit. You have all the land you need. So what he does in this text, hear me, sons, hear me, preachers. He always offers a quick solution to the poverty of ministry. Did y'all miss me? Satan always offers a quick solution to the poverty of ministry. He offered to help him build his ministry kingdom. Take the world, Jesus. Just do it without sacrifice. He waited for Jesus to have, or rather, he wanted for Jesus to have back creation, but get it back without Calvary. Keep it in a sinful-like condition. Get it back, but make sure nobody can be pardoned for all of eternity. And Christ responds, Jesus would not bow the knee to Satan. Listen to what he says. Get behind me, Satan. For it is written, the Bible says, shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Notice this. Jesus would not give in to the tempting desires of what he saw and how easy it was to have it all. I'll say this, this ain't in my note. Just because it's easy don't mean it's God's way. It may even come legitly. Can I argue my point? Satan was not lying in this verse. He had gotten dominion from Adam. After the fall, man lost everything. And Satan became the deed holder to all of creation. He wouldn't lie to Jesus, know him. When he says all of this is mine and I have the authority and I can give it to whoever I want, he was not lying. The stuff we run around here trying to collect and pursue belongs to the evil one. Why you think Hollywood can help you blow up? Because its owner is Satan. You're taking none of this stuff to heaven to our new kingdom. Are you with me here? Everything that you desire in the earth, even when it looks good, has a property owner. And he'll let you blow up 
as long as you compromise. But I'm glad that Jesus teaches me when I'm weak, when I'm broke, I still can say, get behind me. <laughs> no matter what the prize may be. Oh, beloved, you and I can learn from the master in this text. It's better to be poor in ministry than be blessed by the devil. It's better to have no possessions than be blessed with a satanic gift. Oh, beloved, hear me today, please. I'm pleading with you. Be counting everything you see. Be careful design the things of this world. All that Satan offers, it comes with a price. Look at Satan in this verse. Can't you see him tempting Jesus at a time when he needed food? He needed shelter. He needed resources. The price was satanic worship. The price was to deny his father. The price was to make God. Then he could have all he wanted. Secondly, I learned in this passage that Satan, again, didn't lie about his possessions. As I mentioned, he was the owner. But I'm so glad that Jesus knows where his source comes from. And he went to the word again. Isn't that right? There's power in the word. There's power in the spoken word. He didn't think about the word or think good thoughts about the word, but he spoke the word because he knew the word. And the word is what got him out of the second temptation. I need to tell somebody this who's anti-Bible. If you don't lean on the word, you're going to fall prey every time. Only the word can remind you that life is more than fulfilling the fleshly desires or your needs. Only to remind you of your, person, of your personal calling to discipleship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus used the word. Story is told of a man who took his queen to the mall. They were shopping and he was in the mall. It was a busy time of the year and people everywhere and all of a sudden, out of the corner of his eye, he saw this pretty young thing. Well, the brothers already know, huh? And the story says that he couldn't help but follow her with his eyes. How many of you know your wife sometimes got eyes in the back of her head? The brothers, come on, kids. You know, your mama catch you doing stuff. Bow! She ain't even looking at you. The woman is shopping, and the man is following this pretty young girl. And finally, he heard her say, was it worth all the trouble you in? <laughs> Y'all missed it. <laughs> Wondering eyes will get you in trouble every time. Just ask somebody who thought the grass was greener on the other side of the fence. Are you with me here? Just ask him. Well, at how to get victory over your flesh. We've looked at how to get victory over your eyes. Let's look now at how to get victory over your pride. This might hurt a little. Tell your neighbor, this might hurt a little. 
Verse number 9 says that then he, he hasn't stopped, the devil. Then he brought him to Jerusalem. And he set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For the Bible does say, he quoting scripture now, Satan. He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands, they'll bear you up unless you dash your foot against the stone. In Psalm 91. And Jesus answered and said to him, it's been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. What Satan did right here is took scripture out of context. Somebody missed me. He knew the Bible, Austin. He just misquoted it at the wrong time. Are you with me here? Hopefully we can learn from this. Text we see at the third time, he attempts to take Jesus to the top of the temple, and here he tempts him with the pride of life. By taking scripture out of context, he wanted Jesus, yes, yes, thank you, Lord, to use religion for his own self Efficacy. Satan wanted Jesus to rise to ministry stardom through a public event. What do you mean, Pastor? If you jump off this temple and do the spectacular, you will gain instant publicity. They'll blow you up on Instagram. CNN will catch this, right? You'll have fame. Popularity, swag, and earthly stardom because there ain't no preacher jumping off of temples. Y'all with me here? Satan wants Jesus to bypass Calvary and do the spectacular. He wanted the master to win the world by entertainment. And to show that he was the Messiah another way instead of a sacrificial death for all mankind. Satan rather wanted Jesus to do something. People would follow him for his showmanship and not his sacrifice. And I believe that Satan knew Pastor Cochran, he could not become a showman for people. He was called to live a sacrificial life as the Lamb of God to die and take the sins of the world away. This temptation was too great. This temptation, it looked great, perform great, have everybody see you and talk about you and demonstrate for the world that you have power and a divine connection with God. <coughs> Beloved, we really got to watch this in the church. Just because you killed a solo. Or your ministry inauguration happened and everybody showed up to your event. Or your speech. Or your sermon. Watch it. Because he's subtle. That that's what he wants. Become popular, right? And then you become popular. You don't need your local church. Take your ministry out there. Where everybody can see you. And you become your own ministry. Oh, beloved, 
He often tempts us to seek prominence, power, publicity, and position in the world. Every good idea ain't from God. It often tempts us to be super spiritual, too. To perform some religious activity that the world can see and give you credit instead of giving God the glory. Isn't that something? This ain't in my notes, but I think I need to be super transparent. I hate it when I do this. As long as y'all promise not to tweet it and do all that kind of stuff. When I got called to preach, everybody has something good to say. Man, you are an event. You should go and do crusades. And I thought y'all loved me. Some of y'all let me get up there and think I was the next Billy Graham. I had the audacity to start the King's Crusades ministry. Some of y'all laughing because y'all, yeah, I was there. I told him, yep, yeah, uh-huh. And just because I had a one or two ministries, events, I'm telling you, I thought I was doing something. I could do my ministry some without the local church. So I started the King's Crusades Ministries. Did y'all catch it? Featuring the Reverend Evangelist Angelus Wilson. And if I'm being honest with you, I that made me do that. Because I thought I was doing something that my local church wasn't doing. I got some bad advice from somebody that told me I need to try to do this without the church. Can I tell you all the rest of the story? I remember in Conroe's um, School of Theology, I went to school and, and I was telling Dr. Rowland about the ministry we was doing. We was talking about what we were doing all over the place. And Dr. Rowland tested me. He said, if it's God, come off that job. I went home and told Sister Wilson, I quit today. Y'all didn't hear me? I quit my professional job as a deputy probation officer, making X amount of money a year, benefits from my wife, my kids. Y'all hear me? For the Lord, this is ministry in the name of God. God didn't tell me, but my pride. I know I'm losing a lot of amens through here. Because some of y'all got these specialized ministries y'all doing. I walked away from my job. And the first week went by, started sending out my support letters. Y'all hear me? Started going to all these specialized parachurch ministry events. I'm not preaching against the parachurch. I'm just... First month went by, my last check came in. Sister Wilson, so sweet, bless her heart. She just prayed, just prayed. Second month came and I was broker than you know what broke is. Then I got discouraged because you know what happened? People stopped coming to those events. Wasn't no support coming in. 
got angry. I went through all the grieving stages. I started hating, right? Then I started bad-mouthing the church. The church ain't out here doing this. I have an order to tell the Lord, Lord, I'm out here. Lord was quiet. I'll never forget. My mother called me. I think Sister Wilson had something to do with it. I don't know, but <laughs> she probably going to take it to the grave if she do. My mother, only Maddie can say, she said, baby, I need to talk to you. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, you know what you need to do? I said, no, ma'am. You need to pick up that phone, call that job, and ask them, can you have your position back? I done already prayed. And I said, yes, ma'am. God had to deal with my, y'all listening? He was still on the throne. He was the same God present in every sermon. I picked up the phone. I called Chief John Farley. I said, Chief, can I come in and have a conversation with you? He said, come on down. I went to see him. And God, you that man, right across his desk, he said, so you, what happened to your ministry? He wasn't even a Christian. Now, y'all know that was just like, just driving that thing in me. I said, it didn't take off, Chief. He said, and then, y'all going to really give off of this one. He said, what do you want to be? You want to be a preacher or a probation officer? I put my head down, swallow my pride, thought about the babies at home. I said, I want to be a probation officer. He took my badge out of his drawer and gave the position they never filled because they couldn't find nobody to fill it. God had held it open. I can't say some more. After he gave me my badge back, he said, I need your help. He said, I'm getting married. Would you marry me? Y'all have missed God was trying to tell me, you're right where I pushed you. Not only, Sean, did he give me my job back, but two weeks later, he promoted me. I jumped from a deputy two to a deputy four. I jumped past folks in line. Are you with me here? And then God blew the ministry up. If I had just waited on the Lord and not been pride and not bit what Satan was dangling in front of me, God has something in store for me the whole time. <laughs> Can I say some more? Beloved, all I'm trying to say is when I heard from the Lord, it was the word that began to convict me about my behavior begin to shine the light on what it was that tried to motivate me to jump out there and do something in the name of the Lord. God hadn't called me to do that. Well, let me land the plane. Beloved, when the temptations of life come your way, they're going to come. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and pride of life. They're going to come. They don't necessarily come all at the same time or in that order, but you can bet, you can trace your temptation back to one of them. When they come, use the scripture to combat them. 
Consult with other believers that can get in the word with you. That's why these cell groups in our house church movement are so important, beloved. Don't just be a Sunday morning worshiper. Connect somewhere else in the community where you can grow, you can get in God's word, and you can bounce those ideas off of people. Because if you don't, Satan can island all by yourself, and you'll think that what you're doing is gold, brand new, ain't nobody ever did it before. And that's where he can have his way with you. I'm through when I tell you this. When doubt and worry is at your door, use the scriptures to handle them. When trials of life come to you, use the scriptures to escape them. When a tempter comes to distract you, get to the word to defeat him. I got to leave you now. If you will do this, though, beloved, victory will be yours. Jesus understood this. And because Jesus could go through these, you and I could go through them. In fact, he went through them so that you and I could go through them. A pastor once preached a sermon about Jesus' victory over Satan. The preacher said this, Satan had been trying to kill Jesus the whole 33 years of after his birth. He tried using Herod to kill all babies who were under two, but he failed. He tempted Jesus in the wilderness to stray from the Father's plan, but he failed. He set before the Lord the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. But he failed. He tempted Jesus' body, soul, and spirit. And Jesus overcame him every time with the word of, I bet, beloved, you can go back and trace your own failures to temptations if you use the word or not, or if you use some other word. I land the plane. Jesus came to save you. But make no mistake, that wasn't all he came here to do. He came to earth to do battle with the underworld. Heaven to earth so that you and I would know how to handle the evil one and his many assaults and attempts on our life. He came unwelcomed by the masses of demonic spirits in the world. He came to overcome the enemy. And because Jesus overcame it, you can overcome it. Ah, oh, Deacon McBee, help me, brother. I want to encourage somebody today. Listen, that thing, you that addiction, that ugly thing that has you in a headlock, baby, there's victory. But you got to use the word. You got to use them steps that get you to the word. Don't keep trying to do it in your own flesh. Use the word. Tap somebody, tell them, use the word. I'm closing. I want to tell you this. Jesus was able to overcome the enemy. In fact, in his inaugural sermon in Nazareth, he had 61 and 1, and he opened the word saying this, the spirit of God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Jesus saw humanity as bound, blind, brokenhearted, bruised, and behind enemy lines. And he came as the Savior to rescue mankind. He saw the disastrous effect of the satanic influence on the world. 
And Jesus decided to confront the forces of hell that you and I might be saved. I like this right here. Literally, it's informing me over and over again, Angelus. Satan don't have no right over you, over the believer. No matter what he may contend, no matter what he may lie to you about, he don't have no right to you. You are son and daughter of the king. You are king's kids. And you have a royal authority in the earth to command him to be quiet, get behind you, and leave you alone. You know what I like about this? He's a troublemaker, a trespasser, and a liar. And he may be king, but he ain't my king. <laughs> no, he ain't my king. No, 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 no. My king conquered that king. Holla checkmate. Out on the cross, Jesus committed treason against Satan's earthly rule. Defeated him by taking nails in his hand. A crown of thorns on his head, spear in his side, nails in his feet, died to strip Satan's power and authority. And he wasn't finished there. Can I preach it all? Descended into the underworld, snatched the keys back from death, hell, and the grave, claimed victory there, and early Sunday morning, God the Father raised him back to life. Now he sits at the right hand of the Father. The true king of the universe. We're living in a pseudo king's territory who handles enemies behind his line. Can I tell you, the devil trembles when the believer knows who they are. The devil trembles that we can walk around his territory, setting the captives free, proclaiming the good news of that faraway kingdom. He trembles because we have the authority. That the Father had given to the Son, we operate that same authority in the earth. Quit operating like you a child of the devil, you a child of the king. And you got supernatural power and blood, hey, running through your veins. I'm off my text now, but I feel good right here. I'm happy to tell you that the power of darkness was conquered. The power of darkness and hell was conquered, beloved. That's why Jesus says stuff like, man, you the light of the world. Wherever you are, that's where it's shining. You the salt of the earth. You're contagious for that demographic of society. That's why you are somebody. I don't care what they said about you, what label, what tag they put on you. You are somebody. And your life every day is to be lived in the honor of the one who came to die for us. And all God's children said, amen. amen. I'm closing when I tell you this. Oh, two young boys who their father raised them playing with cute, cuddly teddy bears. Come on, PC. And the boys had this affection, kind of like my grandson has for little dinosaurs. All their life they grew up believing that these bears were their friends. When they got of age, they one night took up some spirits, you know, that wine and alcohol. And they went down to the Bronx Zoo in New York. And under the influence of alcohol with a love for what they thought were their pets, they scaled the fence 
of the polar bar, a polar bear exhibit. Drunk, they hopped over in the fence where the bears were. Are you listening? The next day, they came and opened the zoo. They found that these two boys who had a love for pet polar bears were dead. See, under the influence of alcohol, they thought they could play with their pets. What are you saying, Pastor? Well, my brother and sister, you need to know this. Your pet sin can kill you. It starts off cuddly. It starts off comforting. But when you least expect it, it's going to devour you. Can I say it another way? It was fun at first to get a little buzz from alcohol. It's fun at first to get a little high from the weed. At first to flirt with a relationship outside of marriage or before marriage. But little do you know that pet little sin has got a price with it. The wages of sin is death and it's going to kill you. I'll stop by to tell you today there's a conqueror who's available to deal with that thing. But you got to give it to him. And all God's children said, would you bow with me for a word of prayer? I will now with God. Thank you for Jesus' model of what it looks like to gain victory over the evil one. Thank you for teaching us to use the word to conquer the flesh, lust, and the pride of life. Father, I'm praying right now for the one who is here and who doesn't have a personal relationship with you. And they're desiring now more than ever, Lord, to get free from this evil one, from this sin and separation from you. Would you open their eyes this hour, draw them unto yourself? That's my prayer. And for the one who is here and who does not or rather is a believer, but does not have a church home to grow, to learn of you, to connect in community, but would you draw them to this place? For your honor and for your glory is our prayer. Beloved, while your eyes are closed and heads are bowed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, it's me, man. I, I need to be a Christian. I want to give my life to God. I'm sick and tired of being sick and get victory over this evil one. If that's you, if you will just raise your hand where you're at. I'm not going to ask you to stand and come forward, but if you'll raise your hand right where you're at. I want to pray a prayer and invite Jesus in your life. If that's you, just slip your hand up so I can see you. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting. That's you, beloved. You can be saved today. Simply raising your hand. Amen. Secondly, you may be here and you say, Pastor, I'm a Christian, but I don't have a church home, and I need a place to fellowship. I want to come and be a part 
of the family of